When it's over, I want to say, all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Mary Oliver Welcome to B-Sides. This is Pastor Brandon McCulloch. That was Mary Oliver's poem, When Death Comes. What really grabbed me about that poem is that last line, I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. We talked from Jeremiah chapters 40 through 45 about the hardest place to be. And it's here. It's wherever you find yourself the people, the situation, the emotions that you are in, that is here. And that can be the hardest place to be because we often want something else. We think that something else will be our deliverance. But God over and over wants to teach us how to be here because here is where God is manifesting himself. And while I know that our home is in heaven, I don't want to be guilty of spending my short amount of years on this earth as if I never wanted to be here. I believe that a Christian who's fully alive, filled with the living spirit of God and present to the reality of God will always be someone who is fully present to this planet. Yes, their hope is in heaven, but they aren't whittling away every second yearning for deliverance from this earth. Rather, they are walking with the Spirit every moment, seeking how to move through this earth, knowing that one day, heaven will be there. But until then, I'm going to be here. So how do we present ourselves to reality? How do we live in our lives without trying to be there or somewhere else? One of the reasons we are not always present is because only a third of us may be engaged. Now, you're used to hearing from me the triad, body, soul, and spirit. And this is where I want to go. Now, soul can have a subdivision, the thinking part and the feeling part. And so we are this triad, body, head, and heart. But sometimes we don't always show up to one of those triads. You may be living in your head all the time but you're completely disengaged from the people around you or your own emotions. You're trying to reason or have rationale for everything that's going on. You're living in some thought because that is far less painful than the person who has just hurt you. Or in a very unhealthy version of the body, you may be addicted to things, overeating, having sex with people you shouldn't be having. Or the heart can be completely closed off to relationships around you. Or you may be only basking in your emotions. We sometimes don't show up to all three of these parts of ourselves. 
We're very good at cutting off two of them and living in one, or living in two and cutting off the third. But what happens is when the Holy Spirit takes control of our lives, He takes our body, He takes our heart, He takes our mind, and brings them together as one. I am not just a body moving about with cravings, nor am I just a heart full of emotions that's either broken or attached to people, nor am I just a mind with ideas and thoughts. We have all three of these coming together, and I am more present when all three are working together. Thus, we say that a spirit-filled Christian cannot possibly be one who merely visited this world. The body may be the hardest for most of us, and which is ironic because Christianity believes that God inhabited a human body, yet we struggle the most with the body. But the body is an amazing thing, and research shows, particularly the excellent book, The Body Keeps the Score, that pain and memories are stored in our bodies, that our bodies actually communicate. It's not just a hunk of flesh and cells, but there's something about the system that can actually tell us things. Jesus, by the way, when he healed people, he was often seen touching their body. He knew the power and the need of the body to have human connection, that the body wants a hug, that the body needs exercise, that the body needs not only food, but it needs healthy food. To Jesus, the body wasn't separate from the soul. The body and the soul worked together. And the heart, we all carry around wounds, which causes us to want to hide from each other in shame. But relationships will help keep our heart open, especially, especially if a former relationship or a former person has hurt our heart. But one must have a hurt heart in order to have an open heart toward others. That's what will open us up to each other. Another interesting concept is that the heart, being very emotionally based, really craves right brain activities. Now, left brain involves the mental stuff and smart stuff, but the right brain deals with the arts. It deals with concepts and creativity. Things like music, art, dance, nature, fasting, poetry, games, and relationships, all of these involve the heart. And the more we open ourselves to these, the more open our heart will be. So we need an open body, we need an open heart, and we need an open mind. The mind can often be closed off, and it can be fear-based, and it can be dualistic. Everyone's wrong, and you're right. There's either this or that. But we know that life is much more complicated than that, and that a healthy, open mind can can see between the lines, and it can understand other people, and it can love, and it can be gracious, and it won't be fear-driven. Now, we're not saying... Be so open-minded that your head falls out or however the saying goes. There are things that we definitely reject. But we don't reject them simply because we've closed our mind off to any other possibility. And when we say open body, open heart, open mind, we're not saying open to the influences of this world. We're saying that we need to be surrendered to the spirit who will unite us. 
See, it's our nature to be closed off because we're defensive, we're fearful, we're cowering in shame, we're angry. So we close our fists, we close off our heart, we close off our mind. But by allowing the Spirit to open these, we will become more present to whatever is before us. See, the Spirit is not something we have to talk about or bring to us or make happen. The Spirit is flowing through God's creation, always on the move. That's why Jesus likened to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He likened the Spirit to wind. It's always moving through the universe. The question is, are we open to catch the Spirit? Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 tells us to be filled with the Spirit. And the word filled he uses there illustrates the idea of a sail on a ship that's filled with wind. When the sail is filled with wind, it's the wind that propels the ship forward. The ship doesn't have to make itself go forward. The wind will push it forward. And so us being open to the Spirit who's always on the move means opening up your sail We can't catch the wind. We can't have the Spirit driving our lives if we're closed off. So being present starts with opening body, heart, and mind to wherever we are. I came across this quote this morning. To be present to something is to allow the moment, the person, the idea, or the situation to change you. And that stuck out to me because normally I look at moments, persons, ideas, and situations as something that I can change. Often I think our minds are immediately thinking, how can I change the situation? How can I correct this person? How can I improve this idea? Or how can I find a different situation? We want to change it. But to be present is to see what they can teach us. And you know something? That's In a way, the first beatitude that Jesus taught us, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, verse 3. The poor in spirit means that we don't have the resources on our own. We need God's spirit because ours isn't enough. In other words, it's saying Blessed are those who come to the end of their rope, as one translation puts it. Or, blessed are the powerless. Those who admit they don't have the power to change things. When we accept our powerlessness, then we receive the kingdom of heaven. That's what it takes to receive from God, is a recognition that he has given us something And it can only be received when we stop trying to control life. The hardest part about receiving grace, God's gift to us, is accepting that it is better than what our own efforts can produce. I think that's the hardest thing. It's not hard to say God is good and he's giving us something I want it. It's hard to lay down what I'm doing and to take up and wholly lean on and trust what he's doing. 
That's the challenge because it admits that there's something I can't do, that I'm powerless, that I must give up hope in my abilities or my version of reality. I must let that go and accept God's as he's given it to me. See, we experience grace by accepting what God has given to us, not by changing it. We tend to run over and over to what makes us feel powerful because we despise being powerless. The problem is that running toward the powerful is always to run away from God. To run toward the powerful is always to run away from God. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12? His power is perfected in my weakness. It was by accepting his reality that he's weak, that he became powerful. By running to his weakness, he found God. Paul could have ran to his ways of protecting his ego and defending himself and fighting against the world and using his abilities to make it as he wants it to be, but then he would not have been godlike. When you look at Jesus when he was on earth, who did he run to? Was it the religious leaders? Was it the important people in Jerusalem? Was it the high priest or the highest rabbis of the land? Did we see him getting cozy with them and trying to establish a name for himself amongst them? No. We saw him running to the powerless, to the poor, to the lame, to the blind, to the leper, to people whom the religious leaders would have turned their nose up to and said, hmm, the powerless, we will hold on to our power. But not Jesus. And so by running toward the powerful, we often are actually running away from God. We must accept our powerlessness. And it doesn't leave you to the vulnerable attacks of the enemy or of the world. It actually places us in God's hands. Friends, being present to wherever we are is indeed the hardest place to be. But we can do it. And one of the ways I found helpful, get, open up your body, heart, and mind to the spirit. Now, the concept itself, the whole, the three body, heart, and mind, it might, it might be a little off for you to think about because you just hadn't thought about it that way. Um, but at least start opening up your life to the spirit. And that would be a good start. Like the body, what I've started to do is just get into what is my body telling me? And I realized it's really telling me, despite my liking junk food, it's been telling me for years, I don't want this. I don't function well on this. Or when I listen to the fact that it's tired and that five hours of sleep is not enough night after night, then yeah, listening and saying, you know what? If I have to have caffeine to survive the day, I'm not listening to my body, right? I'm trying to control my body. I'm trying to tell it to submit to me. You're going to stay awake. When really my body's trying to say, no, you need sleep. You need sleep. Start listening to your body. Start taking care of it. 
we sometimes, I think we just think that it's not that important because we're going to get rid of it and we're going to be in heaven. But we, we forget, we forget that God cherishes the human body so much he became a human body. And then when he rose from the dead, he didn't say sayonara to the human body. He came out of the tomb in a human body, which is the very body he will inhabit in the new heaven and new earth. So yes, we will be in bodies forever. We should think about figuring out how they work and living with them because you're going to be with it for a while. Granted, it'll be a different body. I mean, it will, it will, it will function a lot better than it was intended to and not break down. But we can't be scared of our bodies. So I try to be open to what my body's saying, to take care of it. I try to be open to my heart, what it's saying. Now, I don't mean in the Disney way, like, just do whatever your heart wants. <laughs> you, don't misunderstand me. All this is under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But he, through my heart, he will give me feelings and dreams and emotions. And when I feel tension in relationships, it is not healthy to avoid that. He's wanting me to press in. Be here. Don't avoid. Be here. Be present. Speak with this person. See how you've wounded them or what you can do to improve them or or to relate and love them better. How am I misunderstanding them? Um, I One of the things I love to do is take a walk through nature. It is good for my heart. It is so enlarging. It keeps me open. When I'm just, you know, absorbed in man-made stuff, cars, homes, entertainment all the time, I think it shrinks me. But to breathe in nature and just visit it. You know, I don't, I don't go hug a tree. You don't have to think that you're becoming a, a weirdo just by enjoying nature and being open to it. It's God's playground. It's his cathedral. Just be in it. Just be in it every now and then. Just admire a tree, breathe the air, stretch your legs, feel the dirt, whatever it is for you. Draw a picture. It'll enlarge your heart, being open to your heart. So the, one of the ways I do that is, yes, walks in nature, but I love classical music. Um, I don't listen to it 24-7. I'm not like that kind of love classical music that it's always going on. But I often study to it and prepare sermons to it. And um, sometimes when I what I like to do is just sit down with headphones and listen to a piece, like a concerto or a symphony from beginning to end through the headphones. It does something to my heart when I just absorb the classical music it's like I feel the spirit delighting in the beauty and the emotional ups and downs of this work. I feel very much like I'm experiencing the Psalms just without words. Um, Brittany and I, by the way, had our first date and our first date after we got um, engaged at a symphony. So it definitely, for me, that's one of the areas of the heart. And the way that I can keep my mind open, and this for me has been one of the most important, because I'm, I'm kind of a head person. I live in the mind a lot. And I struggle sometimes with the heart and people because I'm so, <laughs> I'm so retreated in my mind that sometimes I don't notice what's going on in front of me. Um, <laughs> uh, so this one has been big for me to remain present, to be here, is prayer. I believe that silent prayer adding that to your normal prayer routine, 
that silent prayer invites the spirit into our minds. Because by habit, my mind is used to going to certain places, thinking certain things, uh, giving certain answers, usually no to whatever's going on. No, I, I refuse to accept it. But when I invite the spirit into my mind, I'm able to sit back and see what is happening before me and love it. That's right. Sometimes when I'm left to my own mental devices, I want to reject what's happening around me. But in silent prayer, the spirit comes in and shows me the good in what's happening around me. See, Jeremiah, when he's in Jerusalem with all of its ruins and rubbles and surrounded by those the Babylonians considered rejects, could have looked around and hated what was around him. But being a prophet, I am certain he spent many hours of solitude before God. In that prayer, God showed him how to love what was there. Jesus told us to abide in him, right? That will bear much fruit, John 15. Well, seeds, the whole metaphor, seeds start small and they can be considered as nothing. But the one who's in silent prayer and lets the spirit into their mind can now see the seed, not for just a worthless husk, but they can see the life, not yet visible, that is within the shell. They know what that shell will become, that there is an entire ecosystem within that waiting to sprout up one day. That's right. The mind that rests in silent prayer can begin to see past our habitual responses to this world. And that's what Jeremiah needed to sit in Jerusalem. That's what the people who wanted to go to Egypt needed in order to be content where they were. And that's what we need to be content where we are. So have we opened our body, heart, and mind to the Holy Spirit? Are we practicing being here? God wants us to, in our powerlessness, open up and surrender to his spirit. And he will give us the kind of experience Mary Oliver described. When it's over, I want to say, all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Let's be fully alive, fully present, fully here. The Spirit of God in us to the world. Next week, Gio will be taking us to the end of Jeremiah. Gio will be making his debut. If you listen on the podcast, you've never seen Gio or heard him. He is the children's ministry director at our fellowship. So if you go to the fellowship, you've seen his face. But yeah, he'll be making his Sunday night debut. He'll be teaching us the end of Jeremiah, the remaining chapters, chapters 46 through 52. And then after that, we will be going to Ezekiel. So if you don't remember, we're trying to go through the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, the way the Jews ordered the books of the Bible. So after the primary history, Genesis 
through kings, where we see creation, the rise of the kingdom, and then the eventual fall into exile, they go straight to the prophets. And while there's not unanimous agreement here, it seems to make sense that Jeremiah is the first prophet, then Ezekiel, then Isaiah. Then we do the 12 minor prophets. And then we go to a bunch of other, the rest of some of the books we've, you think in your mind that we've skipped, they come later, and then it concludes with more narrative with Daniel and Babylon and um, Second Chronicles, uh, rehashing the history and ending with this hope, this, this, this anticipation of the coming Messiah. So as we're coming to a close in Jeremiah, if anything in this book has spoken to you or changed you or ministered to you or blessed you, we would really appreciate it if you let us know. I think it would be a wonderful blessing to the rest of the body to know how it's affected you, to hear the collective stories. So please, if you uh, if you want to share with me personally when you see me or send me an email at brandonmcculloch at calvarychapel.com um, or however you want to get that, we would really appreciate that. And it would be really great to put them together and share. So if we get a decent amount, you'll hear those down the road. And if not, well, hopefully we'll get some of that down the road because it would be a great next step to hear not just individually what the Bible's saying to us, but to hear what the Bible's saying to each other and have this collective witness about how God is moving in our midst. So, happy reading in Ezekiel. I hope that you begin seeing that book and what God might be saying to you through it as I get ready and study it. But for now, this is Pastor Brandon with Grace and Gratitude. Thanks for listening.